Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. How are we? Good. Packed house this morning, man. Thank you guys so much for being here today. If you're a guest, man, really, thank you, man. Thank you so much for being here on this incredible Sunday morning. You guys got in uh, with not a lot of rain. I don't know about getting out, but you got in. You're here. The Lord is sovereign. He is good. And he took care of you on the way in. Well, thanks again for being here, especially, man, if you're a guest. Man, we believe, man, we know there's so many places and things you could be doing on a Sunday morning. And so we just feel honored. We feel honored that you're here uh, in this place today. Lucky for you, listen here, today is kind of our first day officially where we have what we call kind of a family lunch food on Sunday. And so if you live uh, north, uh, anywhere north of Blanchard, you might have smelled that smoker cooking yesterday. So Luke's short, man. They're smoking pork all day long. And so there's pulled pork sandwiches out there. And so, uh, man, would love for you to stick around, eat lunch with us. Uh, that's what we do. After, after service, man, you can go out there and have some lunch, hang out. Uh, if it's raining, stay inside. If it's not, man, enjoy that lawn over there and just kind of hang out. But super glad that you are in this uh, place today. Well, you guys got ready to go to work. If you have your Bibles, open them up. Ephesians chapter two. Um, if you don't have a Bible, I would say this. So uh, there's some back there that are lost and found. Uh, I think you can just take them. I, if you want to, I don't know whose they are, but you can take them. I don't know how the Lord feels about that. You're trying to do something good, but it may be stealing. And so I, it's on you and the Lord. Y'all discuss it. But there's a couple back there. Uh, well, I'm just giving it just a temptation. I'm not saying you got to do it, right? <laughs> Ephesians chapter two. So let me, let me give you this kind of heads up. So Ephesians chapter two, if you've never been in this book or even this chapter, uh, it's kind of bad news reality, and then it gets to some good news. And so I, I want to preface by saying, like, it, it's going to start pretty strong. Like, it's going to feel really weighty at the beginning. It's going to be tough to hear some of this. Are we okay with that? Okay, we're all right. All right, so we're going to work here in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, if you have your Bible, starting at verse 1. Listen to how this thing starts. It says this, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now in work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our own flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So here's the problem, family. Everyone is guilty. Like, that's everyone. Everyone is guilty. So I'll tell you this. The problem with the world, the problem with the universe, from economy to, to murder to strife, the problem is a sin problem. Like, that's the problem. The problem with every part of humanity is a sin problem. All of us, myself included, all of us are, are, are fractured and alienated from our creator. And all of us are lawbreakers. Say hi to a lawbreaker beside you. Go ahead and do that now. Let me ask you a question. Like how many of you guys ever lied before? Raise your hand. Some of you are lying right now. Like you have right? You, we've lied. Like you look around like this room is full of liars, right? I'm in here too. My hands are up for sure in this, right? Have you ever pursued anything to be ultimate other than God? You ever done that? You ever wanted something to be so much that it even passed God? 
Does anyone ever rejoice when bad things happen to people that we think bad things should happen to? Yes. Listen, this, what we'll do, we'll watch something bad happen to someone who had it coming, right? And we'll say karma got them. We don't even believe in karma, people. Like, we don't believe in that. But we'll say karma got them. And we as saints, brothers and sisters of Christ, we don't believe in karma, but we say karma got them, right? Does anyone get upset when good things happen to people we want bad things to happen to? We do, right? Yes, and on and on I could go. You are guilty. I am guilty. So, so this screen right here. So you probably know this, but so anything we hook up to that, we'll show. So it's video inputs up there. You want a DVD? We'll fire it up there. You want something to stream up there? We can do that. We can input whatever we want. Suppose, I haven't mastered this yet, but suppose I could put up on that screen right now your thoughts, your heart from this past week, the things that came in your mind, your heart this past week. Like nobody wants to stick around and watch that, right? Like nobody, like nobody goes, go ahead and fire it up. I'm gonna go ahead and get some popcorn, some junior mints. I'll be right back. Like nobody does that. Nobody wants to come. Like if somehow I master that, I'm trying. If I master that, like you're literally moving, right? Like you're literally moving. Like if I can throw up your thoughts that went through your mind and your heart this last week, you're packing your bags and you're going to move. Everyone is guilty. Here's the problem. The problem with that is, the reality is, most of you are not bothered by that. That's the problem, is that we're not really bothered by the fact that we're guilty. We're not bothered by the fact because we believe that we're intrinsically good. We believe that we're intrinsically good. Why? Because we compare ourselves to the rest of humanity, right? And we say, man, we're good. God should not be upset with, with, with us, but, but you're comparing yourself to always hungover Henry, right? Like that's who you're comparing yourself to. Gossip granny at Thanksgiving, like you're comparing yourself to them. And if you're not careful, oh, righteous one, because I, I, I fit this too. Listen, like I, I, I didn't ever go crazy. And so if I'm not careful, I begin to think about my little sins aren't as bad as so-and-so. Like I didn't do X, Y, and Z. I never served no time. I didn't ever do this or that. And so if you're not careful, you'll get on your high horse. You'll begin to think that you deserve this whole thing. But the reality is your little bitty sin is just as bad. It's just as bad. And you and I are guilty. But we say, man, we're good. God shouldn't be upset. So I guess, yeah, if you compare yourself to those people, I guess perception, maybe we look better. But really, if you think about goodness in general, isn't it really subjective? Isn't goodness really subjective? Right? Let me illustrate it like this. So my boys, they'll be in here next service. They'll like this. So they're, they're both 12. They're, they're both 12. And let's just say, I don't know why we do this, but let's say we went all UFC in our house. We built an octagon in the living room, right? And it's me versus my two 12-year-old. Let me just be straight. That thing's over in two seconds. I mean, it's quick. It's quick. There ain't gonna be no grappling. I don't need to submit nobody. I'm gonna Judah shop in the throat and it's over. Like it's over. It's over so fast, right? But what if we did this? What if we brought two other 12-year-olds and put them in the octagon with my boys? And now, what? I don't know, we're, we're, we're judging, we're looking for a knockout, we're looking for submission, we, we don't know. Because maybe, maybe against two other 12-year-olds, I don't know, maybe they're strong, maybe they're not. But against me, they're not. Like, that may change in a few years, but right now, they're not, right? So, so maybe you look around at the people in your circle, maybe you look real good. 
Like if you're looking at people around you, because that's what we do. We compare ourselves to the worst family member we have, right? The ones we think are terrible. We would never do X, Y, and Z like uncle so-and-so does. So that's where we compare and we find our goodness. So we look at and we're like, we are good. Why, why are you upset, God? Like, look, we don't ever do all these other things. We are good. But against a holy, change the comparison where it needs to be compared. Compared to a holy, spotless God who you have attacked, belittled, and mocked. The Bible would say even your righteous acts are filthy rags in compared to him. Listen to me, you're not good. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. <laughs> You're not. I'm not good. Any goodness that you might possess is completely subjective. And I think the other reason that we think that, that it doesn't really bother us is, I don't know, we just think God should deal with it. Like we think our little bitty sin is like this victimless crime, like it's like going 35 and a 30. Who gets mad at that? God, why would you care about these things? But, but if you ever want to grasp how big a deal your tiny sin you think is, you need to look no further than the Old Testament. You look at how the, uh, how the sacrificial system worked in the Old Testament, or even look at the cross and all the things that took place. So just for a second, kids, I'm sorry, it's gonna be a little gross. Can I just be a little gross, a little, maybe an offensive, not sinful, but maybe a little gross, just kind of push this a little bit this morning so you understand how big a deal sin is. So in the Old Testament, if you don't know this, why, why do you think they had them grab the back of the neck of a goat and literally take a knife and cut the goat's throat and let the blood go all over the altar? Like, can you imagine that scene? Like, can you imagine how unpleasant that would have been? Like, even the sounds, man, I hate to be like this, but the sounds even the goat would have made. You know how disgusting that scene is? And look, I'm an animal guy, so that trips me out a little bit. I mean, like, if it was a cat, I'd probably be cool with it. But like, like a goat, man, like when I think about the system, like it stresses me out. But listen, what that is, that's God. That's God teaching his people, that's what your sin is like to me. That's what your lying is. That's what your manipulating is. That's what your indifference to me is to me. I mean, have you ever paid attention to the cross? I mean, a lot of us that grew up in church, man, have been in church, man, we come so callous to the cross. We're like, yeah, he died for our sins. It is what it is. That's what we think. Like, have you ever paid attention to what actually took place at the cross? If you'll read it in the Gospels, they took him, they, they grabbed him, they, they slapped him, they spit on Jesus ripped skin off of his back, stripped him naked, and nailed him to a cross. While even more wicked people come out and they mock him and they hurl insults on him. But even then, it's not over. His lungs fill up with blood. They wrap a spear in his side, his ribcage, killing him, leaving him there literally to rot. Now, what do you think that's about? That's about you. That's about me. Don't say us. It's about you. Take that person. That's about me. That's about you. This is your sin. This is how God sees your sin. And the Bible says God's reaction to that says God is filled with grief. God is filled with anger. He is filled with wrath. He is justly and rightly will judge every single one of us. And listen, I know how unpopular that is to say. 
The popular thing to say is for me to stand up here and tell you that God is some weak, tooth fairy-esque God in the sky who lets, you, who, who lets you mock him, belittle him, slap him, spit on him, make a mockery of all that, and he can just deal with it. I'm just telling you, if there's a God, I guarantee that's not a personality trait that he has. And if it is, he's not God. So this is what I would call the bad news. Like that's the heavy bad news. Well, this text, praise God, it turns the corner. And here comes the good news. I just think you'll never understand how sweet the gospel is if you don't understand how bad your sin is. If you don't think you need saved from anything, the gospel's not sweet at all. But once I come to the reality of what my sin really is, Man, the gospel is beautiful. The gospel is sweet. It is saving. It is incredible. And so again, if you're new here, listen, I'm not doom and gloom guy. I want to be straight up. But listen, I want to make sure I preach the full counsel of God. That's what the text says sin is. Now listen, listen to what this gets. The first two words, let's go to verse four. It's going to be your favorite verse. The first two words of verse four, I think make us breathe out a little bit. So we just talked about all this, all your sin. This is what you are but God, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. I love the way he words it because it says, when did God show you mercy? When did God lavish his love upon you? When did God love you? Not when you straightened yourself out. Not when you finally got your act together, so to speak. That's not when he loved you. Not when you started doing better. Not when you started attending church all the time. That's not what the text says. Not when you stopped doing all those wrong things. But the Bible just said, but while you were dead in your trespasses, like that's when he loved you. That's when he showed you mercy. That's the difference between a morality-driven religion. If that's what we were doing, you need to clean up your mess before you come to Christ. That's not the gospel. The gospel, there's morals in the gospel, absolutely. But the gospel is not morality-driven. It's grace-driven. It's because of him, nothing that I can do would enhance the gospel in any way at all. Then let's look at what comes next. There's going to be a few things that I kind of want to point out that's really interesting here. Listen to what it says. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Listen to this. By grace, you have been saved. Unmerited favor. That's what grace means. Which means you had nothing intrinsically good in you that God deemed savable for his cause. Right? So God didn't save you because you're awesome. Like, that's not what he did. He didn't look down and say, these people are great. I'm going to save them. He doesn't go, here's who I'm going to save. I'm going to find the most popular people. I'm going to find the most talented people, the most wealthy people. In fact, really, if you'll read, he almost always goes the opposite way. Paul would tell us later in 1 Corinthians that he chooses the foolish things, actually, of this world to scorn the wise. So if you'll watch who he saves... Most of the time, he saves imbeciles, right? He uses murderers. He doesn't always save what's pretty, but often what is ugly. So congratulations, church. That's us. So here we go. Listen to what it says. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What for? Listen. So that 
in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Catch that last part. In the coming ages, when we get there, it's coming. In the coming ages, he might show then the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I remember as a kid, and I went to church, and I grew up in church, and I remember we would sing Amazing Grace. One of my favorite songs ever, we would sing that song. And, and I remember we'd get to the third stanza. You probably remember that song, but it would go like this. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining like the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began. And I remember as a, as a young kid thinking, I'm going to be bored out of my mind. <laughs> like if I get into this deal 10,000 years and we got no less days, like we're, we're not, no, there, time's nothing, like we're not moving, like I'm gonna be beating my head against the golden bricks up there. That's something like, what? I've been a little ADD my whole life. So I'm like, I gotta do something. What do you mean? That's all we're going to do? But, but listen, what he's saying here is that the immeasurable riches of Christ are so deep they're so vast that they would actually take ages to even reveal to you how deep and wide that they really are. So you know when you think about these kind of earthly thrills we have, like whatever it is in our life, some, some joy we have. You ever notice like on earth while we're alive here, they just fade really fast. Maybe you get that new car, you're so fired up for a week, right? And that thrill just kind of goes out. You, get, you got two weeks for a new house probably, then it's over, right? Like this thrills just fade over time. Well, what he's saying here is this eternity freed up from this physical body, glorified because of Christ Jesus on the cross, is this ever-increasing joy. Like it's just going to get better and better and better. That's a pretty profound verse right there. Let's keep reading in verse 8. It says, for grace you have been saved through faith. You need to get a hold of that. For grace you have been saved through faith. So what happens is we have faith and grace. By grace, through faith, we become believers in Jesus Christ. That's how it happens, through faith. It's grace, but it's through faith. Now let's look and see where this faith comes from. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Where's it from? It's not from your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works. Praise God. So that no one may boast. So even the faith to believe the grace of God was given to you by God. So the grace is his, but so is the faith. And so God's solution to this problem is not to make faith ours so we can boast in it, the faith to believe in his grace, but even the faith is his. So you have nothing to boast about when it comes to salvation. And that's spectacular. The, the thought that you really have no resume for your salvation is a good thing. You didn't do anything to get it. God saved you. God rescued you. God opened up your heart. God revealed this to you. You played no part in your salvation except glad submission. That's it. Well, pastor, I walked an aisle as a teenager. You may have walked an aisle. Here's what I would tell you biblically. God saved you in that seat before you walked that aisle. 
God saved you in that seat before you prayed that prayer. He is the one that made you, allow you to pray that prayer. I've told you before, but I, I would never choose Jesus. Never would I choose Jesus. I'm so sinful, man, a wretched man, I would never choose Christ until Christ opened my eyes, until he opened my heart to the glories and the riches of the gospels is the only reason I would ever submit with glad submission. I'm not taking away from you the aisle you walked. I'm just saying you did that because God opened your heart in the seat to, for you to want to love him and want to follow him. So justification and salvation occurred while you're sitting down, not because you repeated a prayer. And we do that every single week and we will continue to do that. But it's God that would want you, that would draw you to pray that prayer. And God did this despite us and for us. So the, so the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is he saves. He does save. You didn't do it. He did it. He did it all by himself. He needs no assistant in saving his people. So to me, that's kind of this, what I would say, this 30,000 foot looking down at salvation, what that is. It's all him. Like it's literally Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's not Jesus plus that aisle I walked. It's not Jesus plus the sinner's prayer that I prayed. It's not Jesus plus the good deeds. It's not Jesus plus your awesomeness. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That is it. So what does it look like for us on the ground? Like on a kind of ground level, what does, he act, what does that actually do for you? Well, because of this chapter, number one, we know that you are fully forgiven. And that's good. We understand here with Ephesians, you are fully forgiven. In fact, Romans 8.1 says this, there is therefore now no, there is therefore none, there's nothing, zilch, zero condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are fully forgiven for all of your sins. You are fully forgiven. Here's what that means. This means your, your salvation wasn't just a past event alone that you got the sticker on your wall, saved in 93. It's, it's bigger than that. It's your entire life. Like he's conquered your present sins and your past and your future sins. He paid for it all. You're fully forgiven. That's why it's so important that people understand. We come to repentance. I need to repent daily for the things I do. I don't get saved again. I don't need to get saved again. Once I've surrendered my life to Christ, I am sealed with the Spirit of God. I don't need to give my life to Christ again. Maybe I need to readjust some things, come back to that altar and say, Lord, here's where I've been. Help me. But I'm not getting saved again. We don't get saved multiple times. You're, you're justified in an instant. You're saved in an instant. There's no re-saving. You don't need to be re-saved. You're fully forgiven. Not only that, number two, write this down. You're freely forgiven. You're freely forgiven. And here's what this means. This is good. You cannot earn the forgiveness of God. There's no, there's no room for this idea of penance anymore. Like you can't earn God's forgiveness. It's freely given. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 just taught us. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not on your own doing. It is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So when you begin thinking, I'm not doing enough. Well, you can't do enough. You begin doubting your salvation. You know God saved you. You begin doubting that because the, the way things happen in life and when you screw up, no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're fully, you're freely and fully forgiven. You don't earn it. It's given to you. It's given to you. It's a gift. You ever paid for a gift? 
If you did, it wasn't a gift. It wasn't a gift. The last piece is here is we're not only fully forgiven, we're not only freely forgiven, but listen, you are forever forgiven. I want you to listen to me really close. I think one of the things I just don't know if you believe. Are you ready? Man or woman of God in Christ, but struggling. Listen to me. God does not regret saving you. He doesn't regret saving you. He doesn't regret it. You haven't surprised him. You cannot surprise him. God is not watching where you are and how you failed miserably this week, some of us. He's not looking up in heaven, looking down, saying he failed, watching how you stumble and fall and now regretting his decision to pay your sin in full. He's not doing that. He doesn't regret saving you. And I just think for all of us, now we've got to, if you're a believer in Christ, listen to me. I'm gonna be a little tougher to you. Listen, we've got to get out of this little self-pity party about our own sin. It's a baseless party. It's a baseless party. In fact, it mocks the cross of Christ as not being enough for your particular sin set. Like when I begin to think that my sins are too big, you don't understand the cross. And quite honestly, I think we're mocking the cross when we say it's not, my sin, my sin set is too big for the cross. It's not. The cross, is, the cross shadows any sin that we have. We belittle the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ when we sit in this pity party. He does not regret saving you. It's that Christ died once for all of us that are perishing. Listen to me, the altar is closed. Do you get that? Not this one, this is about to be open in five minutes, but I'm talking about the sacrificial altar. Like it's closed. Like there's no fire, there's no need for, for blood, there's, there's no offering that you can bring, it's paid for. It's already paid for. One of the greatest gifts of Christ is the gift of forgiveness, regardless of your background, regardless of how you walked in here, regardless of what our future holds. Because listen, we're gonna blow it this year, right? Mom, dad, we're gonna blow it this year, right? Some of us this week, in fact, some of you are gonna blow it today. It's just, it's just the truth. But listen, the invitation is for all of us to enter into the forgiveness of God that's made possible by Christ Jesus to be fully forgiven, to be freely forgiven, and to be forever forgiven. So regardless of how you've come in here today, the offer is on the table for you. You just need to know God loves you and he even likes you. Like he even likes you. He takes delight, the Bible says, in his children. He likes you also. And yes, he's calling us to holiness. He's calling you to holiness. And, and yes, he's going to transform your life. And listen to me, he will demand things change in your life. Absolutely. But for today, man, the invitation is to rest in the forgiveness of God that is utterly and completely complete. There's no add-ons needed. He did it all. He took it all away for you. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you, God, first and foremost for the cross. God, we thank you for what it means to us. God, and we thank you for what it means for our salvation, Jesus. God, to know that we are freely forgiven. There's nothing we can bring. God, we thank you to know, God, that we are fully forgiven. There's no more work that has to be done. It's full. It's done. God, we thank you for that. God, and we thank you for your spirit that seals us in you, God. 
that we're forever forgiven. Help me, help us to continually adjust our life according to your word. But if we're saved, we're saved. And we thank you for that. I said, just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, just quietly, I'm gonna push this a little bit this morning. I just think it would be wise for us to just thank God for his forgiveness. Just, just quietly, you don't have to do it out loud. Just say to yourself and thank you, God. If you're a believer in Christ, thank you for forgiving me. You freely gave that to me. Thank you, God. And on that cross, we said it's finished like it's, it's legit finished. It's fully finished. And thank you for forever forgiving me. I don't need to doubt my salvation. I'm going to be scared. I just come back to dad. Let's come back to dad. And you welcome me with open arms every single time. Just thank him. Maybe you would say this. Just put your head bowed in your eyes. Just quickly. Maybe you would say, I've never experienced forgiveness at all. I've lived my life in such a way, if I'm being honest, it's for my purpose. It's pleasing to me. But today, man, something's different. I don't know. You feel God just stirring in your heart. I'm not trying to be weird, but that's the spirit of God. We just learned, we just read, that's what God does. He comes and he longs to adopt you as a son or daughter, but he stirs your heart that you would choose him. As if today, man, you say, man, I've never said yes to him, but today's your day. And if that's you, I just want you to slip up your hands. I want to say a quick prayer for you. Man, today's my day. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want us all as a, family to pray this prayer out loud. Pray this way, Father God, thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.